Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Sound off Raider Nation. Join JT the Brick weekdays from noon to 2 p.m. from the most interactive talk show in sports talk radio. We are R&R 920 AM, KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. We're here at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village. Big celebration for the LV Aces, champion LV Aces, and it's getting started right now. They just had the high rollers out there doing their do. They're out there doing a little dance. Our good friend Donna Oglesby, former Raiderette, she, a longtime Raiderette, was out there leading in. You can kind of hear him in a little while. We're going to have Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com join us in a few minutes. I'm going to get out there. They got a little Soul Train Lane going right now. I'm going to get out there and do a little something-something. No, I ain't going to do all that. But, uh, yeah, fans are coming in right now. It's starting to starting to get busy. This is exciting times. Again, celebrating the LV Aces, the champion LV Aces. How you doing? Hands up. There you go. There you go. We came by and got a big high five there. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Oh, Cofield didn't give her the high five. Oh, boo. Willie didn't give her the high five. Did you leave her hanging? What are you doing, Willie? Oh, man, see? See, Willie's not an equal opportunity high fiver. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So there you go. Uh, is, is Trevor ready? Are we good, Damon? All right. Trevor, Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com joins us right now. And, Trevor, thanks so much for your time. We're out here at this celebration for the LV Aces, the champion LV Aces. They're getting ready to get their season underway. So uh, there's a little bit of pandemonium and chaos in the background, but it's good chaos. And, you know, of course, you're ready to uh, see some good chaos this evening as the Lakers and the Warriors, they take the court, the Chase Center, as they get the series uh, started. And before we even get into the Lakers and the Warriors, is there a bit of you that's surprised that the Lakers are here at this stage, or is this kind of what you expected? I mean, certainly before the trade deadline, I would have been surprised. I mean, this is this is a team that was in the 13th seed right before the trade deadline, and uh, we're surprised that they that they were able to make this push. I mean, they were able to round out the roster, make a few moves, and make that push up the Western Conference. And now here we are sitting in the seventh seed, and um, found a way to get past the Memphis Grizzlies as the as the two seed and. Man, I mean, it's been everything is basically gone about as well as it possibly could in terms of the record post trade deadline uh, for the Lakers. So it's been an incredible turnaround, but certainly not what we would have predicted. Even even right when the deadline happened, nobody would have predicted it would have gone quite this well. You know, and I'm not going to lie to you, Trevor. I picked the Grizzlies to win that series. I just thought that the youth was going to be able to just have their way and kind of run up and down the court and kind of run those Lakers out the gym. Are you surprised that the the Lakers were able to handle the Grizzlies the way they did? I don't want to say easily, but it really seemed like, especially after uh, Dylan Brooks started chirping, that it it became a little bit more clear and and obvious how the Lakers were going to handle their business. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that the the maturity of the Lakers showed through in this series. That was one of the things that that you had to – hope for coming from the Lakers side uh, coming into it was that the Grizzlies their relative inexperience would would ultimately cost them the, the series and we did see some issues with that of course that's not a 100% healthy team they're missing Steven Adams missing Brandon Clark John Morant wasn't 100% dealing with that hand issue too so those are certainly factors there but I mean nonetheless the Lakers they managed to look like the team that was more prepared for the postseason compared to a Grizzlies team that was the two seed and looked really good 
for long stretches over the, over the course of the season. I thought the Lakers did a really nice job identifying weaknesses on the Grizzlies roster and taking advantage of those. Uh, in terms of tactically, Darvin Ham, the, the coaching staff, did a really nice job. So, you know, it was it was definitely a test and a challenge. I don't, I predicted Lakers in six, but right. still, I was I was a little bit surprised by um, the way that they really just blew the doors off of Memphis in Game Six. That was that was very impressive. The way they just went out there and took care of business. Yeah, it, it really was to me as well. And i got to give the Lakers a lot of credit. Like you said, the moves that they made for the trade deadline to uh, reinvent that, that lineup and, and get, them, get them where they needed to be. And ultimately, here they are in round two of the playoffs. And so, of course, Trevor, you know what we're going to hear. We're going to hear LeBron versus Steph. LeBron versus Steph. You know, it was great. I, I love seeing, you know, LeBron when he was a Cavalier going up against the Warriors. And, and that was fun in the finals. But we're seeing this in the second round now. So uh, what are your expectations when it comes to LeBron versus Steph like is that is that in your mind like a rivalry rivalry yeah I mean I think it is they've seen each other enough in the in the finals hasn't been with the Lakers obviously but they've seen each other enough times in the finals to where it it is a thing right I mean we see Warriors fans against LeBron fans and that being a thing out there so I I think this is a rivalry and all I could say is look at this point you have two of the of the best to ever do it right two of the all-time greats and Enjoy it, right? First and foremost, yeah, right. like before we even get into oh this one, this guy's better than this guy or whatever. Enjoy it because this is this could be the last opportunity to do it. We don't know, you know. Both guys are are getting up there in years in their career, and so this is going to be an opportunity to, to see two all time greats go at each other. And so this is going to be. I'm just so excited for for that factor alone and trying to soak it all in and, and enjoy seeing two players of of their caliber go at each other in this series. There's no doubt about it. Again, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Go ahead, Damon. So I've got to ask, when it comes to this battle here, what do you think is going to be some of the X factors for the Lakers heading into the series? Yeah, I think for the, for the Lakers, one of the big questions is going to be, uh, similar to last series, can Jared Vanderbilt spend minutes defending Steph Curry, just like we were asking the question, can he defend John Morant? If he can't, he's not going to give you enough on the offensive end. Uh, to really be out there a lot. But if, if the answer is yes, he can spend some minutes there, then that gives the Lakers a decent rotation of, of looks to throw at Steph Curry, whether it's, it's Vanderbilt, you've got Dennis Schroeder, you've got Austin Reeves that can spend minutes on him. So just cycling through players, constantly sending different looks at Steph Curry, that's going to be, I think, an X factor. What can the Lakers do defensively just to make him work? But I'm also looking at players like Rui Hachimura coming in off the bench who had a fantastic se- uh, series against Memphis. Can he provide a bit of scoring punch. The Lakers are going to need something to balance out whatever kind of scoring that Jordan Poole can give the Warriors, and that could be um, inconsistent with, with Jordan Poole. But if you can get some scoring from a guy like a Rui Hachimura, that will go a long way. So that's something that I'm keeping on as well. And then, of course, you know, LeBron, AD, particularly Anthony Davis, is he able to dominate in the paint? What does that look like? We know the Warriors are going to have the edge behind the three-point line. Can the Lakers take advantage in the paint? Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, it's not going to be easy. But Anthony Davis, LeBron, that's a lot of size to throw at them as well. So what does that battle in the paint look like? Those are the things I'm going to be keeping an eye on. You know, Trevor, you brought up Rory, and I wanted to ask you about him. Man, was that something that was expected? Like, was, was that a performance, you know, those performances he had against the Grizzlies? Did they kind of come out of nowhere, or, or was it something that you kind of saw kind of brewing and it just hadn't bubbled up yet? No, I mean, it had been building a little bit. We had seen him becoming a bigger and bigger part of the rotation in the weeks leading up to the end of the season. 
Um, no, I was not expecting. At one point, he was shooting seventy-five percent from three. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's an you know that's an outlier. That's he had a hot shooting streak, but a lot of that was just the Grizzlies. They made a choice defensively that they were going to make him shoot, just like the Lakers made the decision that they were going to make Dylan Brooks shoot the ball. The Grizzlies decided they were going to make Rui Hachimura shoot the ball. And to Rui's credit, not only did he step up and take those shots, but he made them. He knocked them down. Um, so he took the opportunities that were there in front of him. I like that he didn't force anything. He just took shots that were. Uh, given to him by that particular defense and, and made them pay for it. So he did a tremendous job, and I also like what we saw out of him on the boards. Defensively, he's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan. I think he could be important in this series as well. So another player I wanted to ask you about when it comes to the impact that he could have, Mo Bamba, is it just injury, or or what's the part with him being able to not crack this rotation for the Lakers? Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I'm, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to ask that question by Lakers fans for weeks now. Everybody's been asking, why isn't Mobamba playing? I think it's a couple of things. I think that the injury really kept him from being involved with the rotation, kept him from really gaining the trust of the coaching staff. And this is the postseason. You don't want to mess around putting anybody else out there that you don't fully trust. And so that's been been an issue for him. The Lakers had a, more of a game plan of going smaller against Memphis with LeBron and really on the floor at the big positions instead of going with a, a traditional center. Even a Wendell Gabriel was struggling to get minutes in this series. But the injury robbed him of those opportunities. I know he popped up on the injury report last night, so he's still not totally over it. So that's part of it as well. But I think it also comes down to, look, for years now, the, the word on Mo Bamba has always been that the idea of Mo Bamba is better than the actual player. He's a big man who, in theory, can block shots and shoot threes, but he hasn't really been that good when he's been out there on the floor. I still think he's got potential. I still think he's got upside, but it's just it's not enough to risk throwing him into a, a must-win playoff matchup right now for, for the Lakers. So maybe he's somebody they'll keep around for the future, but right now it just doesn't look like him getting major minutes or something that, that's in the cards unless something drastic happens that we're not expecting somewhere else on the roster or something with the style of the series or something like that. But I'd be surprised if we see him in there getting, getting any kind of real minutes. You know, and Trevor, we've known each other for a long time. I mean, we, you've been a guest on my show ever since I was in Central Texas, and, and I got an up-close-to-personal view of Mo, Mo Bamba for a long time while he was at UT, and it was always – it was almost like the, the white tiger at the zoo. Like, you always heard about how great he could be. You just never saw it, and it feels like this is the same thing that's happened to him since he's been in the NBA, not with just the Lakers, but even in the NBA in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's just been kind of what's gone on with him. And you know what? I mean, he's still a little bit of a of a unicorn in that he's a, a seven footer that can shoot the ball from deep relatively well. And you know, I mean, if you want to give him five minutes off the bench, ten minutes off the bench, and the right matchup, you can do that. But just because he's been out of rhythm in the playoffs, I, I don't think it. I just don't think it makes sense. All right, again, the the idea of him has been better than who he is as a player, as much as it might upset fans right now. Which to which combo guard is going to upset their own fan base more, D'Angelo Russell or Jordan Poole? <laughs> Poole. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan Poole sure was. Uh, you know, he's he's been inconsistent. That's that's for sure. Um, D'Angelo Russell was great, obviously, in Game Six for uh, for Memphis or against Memphis. So I'm going to say I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to say Jordan Poole is going to upset. Warriors fans more than Delo's going to upset Lakers fans. I think there's an opportunity here uh, for Delo to really make the Warriors pay on the offensive end. If his shots fall, and he could be pretty dangerous. And let's not forget, 
It's a revenge game for him, right? He's a former mm-hmm. Golden State Warrior. They shipped him along and said they didn't want him anymore. So maybe the revenge game factor will come into play here. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. When I look at these two matchups, I feel like the pick-and-roll game for the Lakers is what's really going to hurt the Warriors. The size of the Lakers just, to me, they, they have that advantage. Do you expect to see it be a lot of the pick-and-roll just because they do have that advantage? Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to be doing everything you can to try to exploit that advantage in the paint, and that, that means finding creative ways to get Anthony Davis the ball. Look, we've seen it. Teams are doing everything they can to not let the ball get inside and to force the Lakers to beat them from behind the arc. So for the Lakers, that means that you've got to run. Sometimes it's multiple pick and roll. Sometimes you're running double drag screens, all kinds of stuff, to try to open up opportunities to get the ball into the paint and make things work from there. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of pick and roll. I think we're going to see, uh, of course, teams will counter that, and we're going to see adjustments to the adjustments. But the goal is going to be get the ball inside, do damage in the paint, work inside out, get into the paint. If the defense collapses, that's how you're going to generate your threes. The Warriors are going to be looking to try to force the Lakers to take threes under duress without being able to get the ball into the paint first. So that's going to be a big part of the chess match in this series. Something that the Lakers had an advantage on over the Grizzlies, basically due to the injuries, but they had an advantage on the boards. How are the Lakers going to be able to stop Kevon Looney? I mean, this guy's like, mm-hmm. it's becoming a custom for him to get 20 rebounds in a night. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I was, that I was talking about. Lakers fans were getting upset with me, saying, well, you know, and Anthony Davis is not Domitas Sabonis, which, look, that's, that's 100% true. Uh, and the Lakers have been a pretty good rebounding team, so I'm not saying that, that he's just going to dominate them the way that he dominated the Kings, but with this this Warriors team, if you let him get four or five offensive rebounds, I mean, that's those are four or five extra shot attempts you're giving the Golden State Warriors. That's just simply not something you can do, especially when a lot of times you wind up in a scramble situation and Steph Curry has relocated and the ball gets kicked out of him out to him for a three. So it's particularly damaging when you give up offensive rebounds to this Warriors team. It's going to have to be a concerted effort for the Lakers. Anthony Davis is going to have to do his part on Looney, on Draymond Green, whoever it is that he's having to box out. But it's also going to be on the other Lakers, on LeBron, on really Hachimura. Even the guards and the wings are going to have to get down there. We know that uh, that uh, Andrew Wiggins does a really nice job attacking the offensive glass as well. So it's going to have to be a concerted team effort to finish possessions with true stops. I mean, you get that uh, defensive rebound and you get out going the other way because if you let Golden State do what they did uh, to Sacramento in Game 7, it's lights out. Who do you think gets more of the LeBron assignment, Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Green? Um, you know, I think it's going to be, an, I think initially it's going to be uh, a lot of Wiggins um, or in the early going. I think they'll mix it up quite a bit. My guess would be, depending on how the matchup is going, who really has it going, I think we're going to see Wiggins on LeBron in crunch time, Draymond on Anthony Davis in crunch time. I think they start with Wiggins on him to try to limit Draymond's uh, opportunities to pick up early fouls, and then you go from there. But I think they're going to mix it up a lot. I think they're going to send a lot of both guys at him. You'll see some other players, too. I'm sure Clay will get switched on to LeBron on some some possessions as well. But I think they're going to send a lot of different looks to LeBron. And I would imagine that in the early going, it's going to be Andrew Wiggins on him. And then when it's crunch time, when it's time to win the game, if it's LeBron that has it going, that's who Draymond's going to take. If it's Anthony Davis that has it going, that's who uh, the Warriors will put Draymond on. So I think they'll use Draymond to try to cool down whoever is really the crux of the Lakers' offense that night.
are we going to see Draymond versus LeBron old school style where they don't like each other? Or is it going to be the we're brothers now type, type feel? Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be more of the, the former. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be the old school style. You know, they go at each other. Look, LeBron understands. He doesn't have, you know, however many years he has. Well, we don't, who knows? Maybe he plays another five years. But, I mean, at this stage, he's 38 years old. He has to capitalize on every opportunity. I don't, I'm not expecting a lot of trash talking or anything like that necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some, but LeBron's pretty locked in and pretty focused. So I don't think this is going to be kind of like a buddy-buddy friendly series or anything like that, if anything. I, I can see tempers flaring up a few times here in this series. I think both teams are going to go at each other. Good. That's what I want to see. And final question yeah. for you, Trevor. Uh, Mama Q is a big Lakers fan. She's already texted me and let me know that the Lakers don't have a chance in this one. She's very pessimistic on her team. Uh, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling this series is going to go? Is it going to be a lengthy uh, seven-game series? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to stick with my prediction from round one. I'm going to say Lakers and six on it. I'm staying optimistic, but I mean, I could see ways that the Lakers could could really, you know, enforce their will here. I could see ways that uh, the Warriors could end up blowing out the Lakers. I mean, this, this could go any number of ways, but I just think it's going to be a back-and-forth battle, and a lot of it's going to come down to the tactics, the adjustments, the adjustments to the adjustments, uh, and who pushes the right button throughout this series. I think it's going to be a great one, and um, I, I'm saying Lakers in six because I don't know if it goes game to game seven, the Warriors have home court advantage. I don't know if you're going to go get the job done in Golden State for Game 7. So that's why I'm going to say Lakers in 6. But, uh, man, this is going to be a blast. There you go. My guy, uh, Mateo, sitting right next to me, he gave me a a fist pump because he's uh, saying Lakers in 6 as well and said you don't want anything to do with that Game 7 at Chase Center. So there you go. Great stuff from both of you. Uh, uh, What do you got coming out on uh, LakersNation.com that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, you can find most of my work over on the the LakersNation.com YouTube channel or YouTube.com slash LakersNation as well as the Lakers Nation podcast feed, which is where all of our podcasts get posted. And then uh, over on the website, LakersNation.com, you can find all of our, our written work there. Uh, we do our post-game show on the YouTube channel right after every single game. So you can come join us as soon as the game ends. Uh, hop over, hang out with us on the YouTube channel. We talk about the entire game, break it all down, take questions and comments from the fans. It's a blast. So th- those are the main places you can find us. There you go. It's a one-stop shop. You guys do a fantastic job. And, uh, well, game one is a little bit later on this evening. It'll be tipping off from the Chase Center. Trevor, thanks so much for your time, man. Great stuff as always. I definitely appreciate you. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. There he goes, my guy, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, on Twitter, at Trevor Lane. Check him out. And, of course, following the game, good, bad, or ugly, they're going to be there wrapping it up. So if you want some more Lakers fix, you can definitely check it out, LakersNation.com. 418 is the time we're here. I just tweeted out a picture of the crowd that's rolling in. The fans are standing in line, ready to, uh, I guess, take some pictures with the players once they get here. Uh, And there's a lot going on. Uh, at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village celebrating the Las Vegas Aces. And at some point, since we don't have a guest the rest of the show, I do want to get back to some Raider conversation and hear what Peter King had to say on the morning tailgate. But I want to get a couple of these fans on just to, as you hear a train going by in the background. Just want to get their thoughts on uh, the Aces and how excited they are for this upcoming season. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? We're here for the celebration of the Aces. So we definitely got to make that happen before the show is all said and done. The former governor, Steve Sisolak, walked by just a little while ago. So uh, I don't know if he wants to hop on but maybe we'll have him hop on and say what up, though. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's a lot of folks that are out here uh, at, the, at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village, and we're Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 
on Raider Nation Radio. 423 is the time we're here hanging out, having a good time, getting ready to celebrate the LV Aces, the championship LV Aces. We're at the Magical Force Opportunity Village. And got a couple of Aces fans here with us, and this is what it's all about, is about the fans. So we have a young a young fan here with her Las Vegas Aces shirt on. What's your name? Raina. Raina, how you doing? Smile, Raina. You had a big smile on your face when you saw the train go by. What's happening? <laughs> Raina, what's happening? What's going on? I'm a bit nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. I'm just me. I ain't nobody. Don't worry about it. You're the star of the show here. Uh, we're excited. Are you excited about the Aces this upcoming season? Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite player? Number 11. Number 11. Is that is that Chelsea Gray? All right. All right. Are you a point? Do you play basketball? You do? All right. Cool. And is this Mama? Yes. Mama, what's your name? Jenny. Jenny. How, how old is Raina? She's six. Does she play? Is she playing basketball? Yes, she started last July. Nice. So. Yeah, you guys are uh, avid Aces fans. You guys are at the games all the time. So how excited are you for this upcoming season? I'm excited, especially after last season. I've been taking her to the game since she was 18 months old. Nice. So, um, That's all she knows is first, basketball. Their first season in Vegas. Nice, nice. So how, how big was that for Vegas to have the championship, the Aces, to get this championship? It was really exciting, especially because – um, we were the first sports team to bring a championship to the city. Right, exactly. So, Raina, how, how, how happy are you that Mama takes you to these games all the time? I see that big smile cracking out. I see you. Look, you're about to crack a smile. How excited are you about the, the, the going to the games with Mom? Super. Super? You have a lot of fun at the games? What do you do? What do you do at the games? Do you Besides watch the game, obviously, but do you participate in some of the activities that are going on? What's happening? Um, I participate. Okay, that's awesome. Well, Raina, I'm glad that you came over and, and said a few words with us. We definitely appreciate you. Are uh, you ready to go take a picture with one of the players when they get here? Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, you gonna get? Are you gonna get a basketball? What are you, are you gonna go in the shop and get something? What are you gonna do? Get in the shop and get something. Nice. Tell this guy right here, Mateo. Tell him, hey, not only get me something out of the shop, but get me on that train. How about that train? Was that pretty cool? You want to get on the train? <laughs> All right. Well, Raina, you have fun. Thanks so much for stopping by, Mama. Thanks so thank much for bringing her by as well. Thank you guys you. have a good time. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later. Can you get a big go aces? Say go aces. You got to give me one go aces before you go. You can't go until you say it. Come on, Raina. Say go aces. Go aces. There you go. All right. There you go. Can we give Raina a round of applause, everybody here? There you go. Look at that. See, that's how we do it, Raina. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mama. Appreciate you. Absolutely. So that's how we do it. We're here at the Magical Forest Opportunity Village. We're having a good time. We got, oh, that's a basketball right there. Come, come here. 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 Come on here. Put that headset on. I'm having fun, man. This is what I do, man. This is all I do. What's your name? Oh, I can't. Hold on. Hold on. We got to turn your volume up. What's your name? Nick. Nick, how excited are you about the Aces? Uh, I'm excited. Let me see that ball, man. Let me see that ball. There you go. All right. Yeah, you, play, you play basketball? What position do you play? Uh, I don't really play basketball. Oh, really? No. Oh, you got a soccer jersey on. You a soccer guy? Yeah. All right. What's your favorite soccer team? Uh, Brazil. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, are you ex- excited about your opportunity to go meet some of these aces that are here? Yeah. Who do you want to meet? Uh, Angel Wilson. Good pick. Good pick. And how about this uh, upcoming season now that the aces are the champions? Uh, I hope they win it again. There you go. What about Candace Parker? They just added her. You like her? Uh, Sure. She's been around for a long time. Just just nod your head and say, yeah, it's good. <laughs> How old are you, Nick? Uh, nine. Nine. All right. Well, are you here with Pops? Yeah. All right. What's Pops' name? Mike. Mike. 
Thank you for bringing Nick by. I appreciate you guys. Nick, thanks so much, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Have fun, okay? Okay. All right, there he goes. Nick, nine-year-old Nick hanging out with us, a soccer player. He's got the basketball in hand, and that's what we're doing, man. We're just out here, uh, you know, kind of kind of picking and choosing some folks to talk to and see how they're feeling about the opportunity to be out here. Nick, thank you, my man. I appreciate you. Nick's about to go get his, uh, his picture on, and he's going to go get some, some uh, materials inside. And we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. What's happening? Come on over here, Steel City. Come, come on over. Come on over. I ain't mad at you. Look, we got – there's so many fans. There's so many fans that are gathering around right now. This is cool. They're really kind of uh, like making a big circle around us. So you can't really see us that well, but it's cool, right, And have all the fans here. And uh, we got a young lady here with the – looks like an all-star basketball. She's already pumped up. This is cool. We're going to keep scatter shooting, man. Mateo is having some fun here. We're gra grabbing some people and putting them on the radio. And let's see who we got here. Let's see who we got. Ask, ask, this, ask this young lady right here with the, with, with the basketball in her hand. Oh, okay. Well, come on. What's up? What's happening? Uh, what's happening? What's happening? I'm, I'm just getting familiar with everybody. I'm learning everybody, man. I you doing the you doing the halftime show? Is that what you're doing? Um, I'm a, I'm an in-game MC. Me and CJ. Me and nice, CJ. Nice. Well, introduce yourself to everyone. The Radio Nation Radio. Oh, Nation. What up? What up? What's going on, y'all? <laughs> hey, look. Okay. He, he don't flip the screen real quick. He's What's like, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, it's your favorite Joe. There you go. In the place to be. Nice. Well, how how cool is this celebration for the championship aces? This is super cool right here. I mean, season ticket members. That's who make it. They help make it happen. They're right. the first ones there, usually last ones to leave. Yeah. And uh, be able to do something like this and have some players come, and we're going to have some fun. You know, and the thing about it is the Aces have the most season ticket holders in the WNBA. And obviously winning a championship is awesome, but, I mean, that's that's credit to this crowd that's here today. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to a game? Oh, yeah. So oh, you, yeah. you know how the rocking it gets. The atmosphere is incredible. Man, man, I can't wait to get back. Yeah. I can't wait to get back. What do you think of the new additions, including Candace Parker, added to this year's squad? I mean, come on, man. Strength in numbers. I know that's – I know that's the Warriors thing. Yeah, but like, yeah, come yeah. on, man. That's that's tough right there. That's right. tough. And we still going to have to work for it, though. Oh, absolutely. We, absolutely. It, nothing coming to us easily. Yeah. Um, that playoff grind is for real. So mm -hmm. you never know what could happen. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, though. It was so fun to watch this playoff run last year and kind of be on the edge of your seat. When, yes. You know, when games got close down to the grind and you see – Chelsea hit a big shot or Kelsey. You know what I mean? Like, just seeing the big shots hit when it mattered Raquana, the most. Yes. I mean, come yeah, on, man. Yeah, come hey, on. Hey, hey, baby. Hey, let me know, right? <laughs> let straight me up. Know. Yeah, so. She hit some of the clutchest shots I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. No, it was it was a lot of fun. So, uh, just being able to, to celebrate a championship here and, and shutting down the strip for the most part, was, mm -hmm. that was awesome. So, uh, run it back. Do it again, right? Hey, double down. Let's get it. Double down. Raider Nation, what up? <laughs> there you go. We're having fun out here. Appreciate you, my man. Absolutely. Thanks so Thanks much. For having for, me yeah, out. absolutely. We're at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village. Again, the celebration for the Aces. And that's just, you know, some of the folks that are here. That's, that's, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, we can have guest on after guest on after guest on. We could break down football. We could break down basketball. But at the end of the day, man, just like it's about Raider Nation, it's always about the fans. And, and the fans really make the atmosphere. And you want to talk Talk about a great atmosphere. If you've never been to an Aces game, you've got to go to an Aces game. The atmosphere is incredible inside at Michelob Ultra Arena, and I expect it to be as loud, if not louder, this upcoming year. 4.31 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to some Peter King sounds. We'll hear from you as well at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. &R. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. You know you got to keep me in line out here, Damon. You know you got to keep me focused because I start talking 
And Damon is, man, when I'm out of studio, Damon is probably the most frustrated guy that we have on staff because he knows it only takes a second for me to lose my uh, attention. And all of a sudden, he's like, Q, we're coming back. Q, we're coming back. Q, never mind. Q's in the woods. So I look up at the screen that I have here. I got a, a camera inside the studio. Like, we're on this uh, kind of Google Meet. So we're, we're able to look at each other. And I see Damon's mouth moving, but I don't have my headphones on because I'm talking to the crowd that's here, which is fun. This is awesome. I love talking to the crowd. And I'm like, Damon, are you talking to me? And all of a sudden, we're back. Oh, my bad. Sorry, Damon. So a uh, good way to keep me on track, though. I do appreciate you uh, holding it down the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And, of course, I'm out here in the Magical Forest at the Opportunity Village. And I was just saying to the crowd, I'll just kind of peek behind the scenes, I wanted to go buy a couple basketballs that are inside the, the gift shop here. I just didn't want to stand in line. <laughs> and everyone that's standing in line looking at me like, yeah, us either. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, there's there's no chance for me to go in and get a basketball right now. I, I would like to, to have one or, or a couple of them, as a matter of fact. I'd like to have one for each station here. That's what I should have done. Mateo, if we had been thinking earlier, I would have bought one for each station and we would have gave it out before we left. Like, that would have been cool. But now that i got to stand in line, never mind, that's not going to happen. But this is a real cool event for, like I said, season ticket holders uh, of the Aces, and they have the most season tickets sold in the WNBA. And there's no mistake that, one, I mean, obviously being the champions helps, but it's no mistaking the fact that the environment that goes on in the atmosphere at Michelob Ultra Arena is second to none. So if you wanted to be a season ticket holder of anything, being an Aces season ticket holder is not a bad thing at all because that is a lot of fun there at Michelob Ultra. Now, I did want to get back to a couple sound bites from Peter King. He was on with the morning tailgate this morning. If you want to catch that whole interview in its entirety, as soon as we sign off at 5 o'clock, we're actually going to run it. Usually we run uh, the Raider Roundtable, but myself and JT and Rhett Lewis from uh, NFL Network went a little bit long. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get that into uh, the programming throughout the course of the week. But you will hear the interview in its entirety. Peter King and the morning tailgate of Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and Lindsey Brown this morning. Really good stuff. We've been playing a few sound bites here and there. I've only got to two. Right, I've only got the two of the sound bites because they're really good answers. They're really lengthy answers from Peter King, including this one about what he found to be most interesting about the Raiders' war room. I think what was interesting, most draft rooms, I find, once you get to the first round, although people enter the room thinking that, okay, we're all on the same page, we know what we're doing, we are, we are, uh, we're, you know, symphonic here. We're all in agreement. Look, I sat in the Cowboys draft room in 2016, and Jerry Jones was pissed off <laughs> when they couldn't trade up for pa Paxton Lynch in the first round. And he wanted Paxton Lynch badly. And Stephen Jones just couldn't make the deal. And Jerry wanted him to up the ante and all that to make sure they got him. And they didn't get him. Turned out to be the best decision they could ever make. The guy they settled for was Dak Prescott and Paxton Lynch. I don't know. Is he playing in the XFL? Is he selling insurance somewhere? Right. I don't know. But, but anyway, so in this particular case, okay, I never once saw Champ Kelly, the assistant GM, Sean Harrock, who's a very valued uh, personnel guy in the room, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson, their, their pro personnel guy who had studied all these guys, their college scouting people. No, I never saw one time any street.
strident voice say, we can't do this. The only time I saw anything like this, but it was not, I would say, serious, is when Mark Davis was looking at the four guys at the end of the first round. It was Banks, the corner from uh, from Maryland. It was Anton Harrison, the tackle from Oklahoma. It was Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas. And it was, uh, there was one more. It might have been Michael Mayer, I forget. But once Mark Davis saw that the grade on Sanders was really up there, he said, hey, let's go get him. Let's go get him. And basically, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels knew, and it's one of the reasons why I said best player available has totally become a crock. Because if it was best player available, they would have picked Sanders in the second round, absolutely guaranteed. Right. Or Jalen Hyatt. But those were two guys that they didn't need as much as they needed a a day one 50-snap guy at tight end in Michael Mayer. And most people I talk to think he's the most pro-ready tight end in this draft. Excellent blocker. Not going to be as fluid a receiver as some of the guys in here. But anyway, that was a need player for them. But that was the only time, Vinny, that I saw mm. anything like, hey, let's go get this guy. It was it was always, we got our uh, ducks in a row twice during the things. Once a pick happened that I had talked about before the draft with both Ziggler and McDaniels, once a pick happened, Ziggler looks over at me and he gives me a left eye wink. And, like, I told you that was going to happen. Right. And it happened right after, uh, I can tell you, it happened right after uh, Anthony Richardson went to number four, and they knew they knew that there was a very good chance that three quarterbacks were going to go. They did, and they were they were happy about it. There you go. There's the great Peter King on with the morning tailgate this morning. It's, it's, it's you know, and I haven't been in any war rooms. I'm not going to act like I have, but – the, the story that he's telling about them basically all being on the same page and never was there a, you know, a shouting match, never was there a major disagreement on you know, what direction to go, just kind of lets you know where this staff is at as far as on the same page. That, I think, is, is really critical. Uh, you know, and again, I've never been in a war room, so I don't know what you know, the other ones are like, but you hear the stories of you know, drag out, not knock out fights or anything, but just you, you understand that, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of passion, and a lot of, you know, want to when it comes to getting certain players in uh, anger. And you heard the story about Jerry Jones. And I remember I was in Texas when they wanted Paxton Lynch. They wanted everybody. They wanted Paxton Lynch, didn't get him. Wanted Connor Cook, didn't get him. Settled for Dak Prescott. Ended up being the best decision that they made, right? He was a fourth-round compensatory pick. Wasn't even who they wanted, who Jerry was. And, look, Jerry, <laughs> man, Jerry for the longest called the shots. And when, when he says that Stephen Jones couldn't make it happen, that's because Stephen Jones didn't want to make it happen. Stephen Jones, for quite a while, even going back to Johnny Manziel, the year that they drafted Johnny Man- or they didn't draft him, but Cleveland drafted Johnny Manziel, Jerry wanted him too. And Stephen Jones, oh, oh, we can't get him. We can't, you know, they, he basically BS'd his way around not pulling the trigger on Johnny. And obviously that obviously was a good decision as well. So uh, for them to be all on the same page kind of lets you know that, you know, they have a plan. They, they st- st- uh, you know, stuck to it. Dave Ziegler is the one who calls the shots at the end. He's the one making the final decision. Even you hear Mark Davis saying, hey, let's go make a move for, for Sanders out of Arkansas, who I think everyone in Raider Nation has thought, man, that's a really good player. 
right? So he wasn't wrong in the fact that he's a really good player and, and you know, you need to go get that really good player. But they needed, in their opinion, they needed the tight end more because of the void that they had at the tight end spot. So, you know, Mark Davis didn't call the shots and say, oh, you have to go get this guy. Go get it because I'm the owner and I said so. He let them do what he did. He gave their suggestion. He gave a suggestion, wanted a guy, but, again, allowed the, the people that made it that, that matter, that are supposed to be making the decision, he allowed them to make the decision. I think that that is very important. Uh, got a text here at 69187, keyword R&R. We got about 15 minutes left in the show. We'd love to hear from you as well at 702-365-9200. Cucamonga Raiders said, glad to see more positivity coming from the nation today. I was getting a little tired of all the crying. Again, post the draft. I get it. We had terrible drafts in the past, and we finished with a down season. Cry it out, and then put on your big boy pants on, Nation. We just finished our draft that marks the start of a new season, baby. Remember, at the end of the day, all the picks have potential to be a boom or bust. I didn't scratch my head with the first pick in God knows how long, so that's a win for me. Solid draft. Let's keep going. Again, that's Cucamonga Raider. And I think that all in all, and I know there's some people that aren't high on the draft, I think all in all most people feel like it was a pretty solid draft. And I said it yesterday on the show, I think that a solid draft is what you're looking for each and every year. Of course, you would like a – a draft where he's like, man, that's fantastic. They just hit it out the park. You're going to get those there once in a while if you consistently have good drafts. If you have a good draft, at some point you're going to have a great draft. Sometimes it's just going to fall in your place like it did when the Raiders went and drafted Khalil Mack, and they got Derek Carr, and they got Gabe Jackson, and they got Latavius Murray, and they got Jelly. And I mean, they just had a draft where it's like, whoa, everything just fell in their lap. Sometimes that's going to happen, but it's going to happen more times than not when you consistently have good drafts and you're used to drafting good players. But if you're used to, you know, reaching and trying to outsmart the room, then it's not going to happen because you're going to outthink yourself. And that's something that Dave Ziegler talked about before the draft. Like, yeah, there's a chance to outthink the room if you, you know, you go that route. You don't want to do that. you got to be careful. And he also made a point of saying, and I asked him the question, so that's why I know what he said, is don't draft guys that just have potential. Draft guys that have production and potential, right? You don't want to, you don't want to sit there and and you know, make it seem like oh well this is this is going to happen, or you know I project this player to to end up doing this on the next level, because you could project something that's not there. So something that I harped on all offseason long leading up to the draft, get guys, especially in the secondary, that are used to making plays, and if you go and look at the guys that they drafted, six interceptions the last two seasons total five interceptions and 27 passes defense the past two seasons. Like, that is production in the college level. That is the production that you're looking for because now these guys come into the league and they're accustomed to getting their hands on the ball. And they're going to push guys like a Trayvon Merrick who, you know, he's had a few opportunities to make plays in the league and hasn't made them. He's come away with one interception so far in his career. He's going to be pushed now. And that's a good thing. Again, pushing guys for playing time, pushing guys for roster spots is a good thing. And for uh, Trayvon Merrick, as much as I liked him coming out of TCU, and I know guys like Raider Mack, who calls the show all the time, not big fans and don't really believe in him, that's fine. Because it's, now it's put-up-or-shut-up time. And he knows that it's put-up-or-shut-up time because the thing about it is the staff that's here now is not the staff that drafted him. So if they were to move on from him, they could say, hey, what's our guy? Right? And they would have no they, – they, they would not feel bad about it at all because, again, it's not their guy. And you see that happen with, with staffs all the time. New staffs that come in, oh, that guy's not our guy. He doesn't really fit with what we want to do. You know, JT said it pretty good today on the Raider Roundtable. He said, Trayvon Merrick is a guy that plays deep center field. He started thinking about, you know, baseball uh, analogies. He said he plays deep center field. Like, he plays on the warning track, <laughs> right? He plays on the warning track, so nothing gets behind him. But the problem is, a lot of times, it's hard to make a play in front of him. 
right? So a lot of times in baseball, and I played left field. I didn't play center field, but I played left field. You want to put yourself in a position where you can have enough speed to retreat and make a play, but you're also in close enough where something's not going to drop in front of you. You, want to, you have to have that good range. Okay, you know who's at bat. How far back are you going to play? How deep are you going to play? You, if you're always playing on the warning track, yeah, there's rarely a ball is going to get over your head, but there's going to be a lot that drop in front of you. And that's what happens with Trayvon Merrick. I thought that was a really good analogy uh, from JT on the Raider Roundtable earlier today when he said that because you want to see guys that are comfortable and playing in a certain area where they can still make a play on the ball and, and, and not get burned at the same time. So you've got you've to have that perfect blend. So that's what, uh, you know, that's what these guys' job when they hit training camp, that's what these guys' job is going to be. Jim from Yonkers, Byron Young could play a, a, a lot. He could play a real lot, LOL. <laughs> that's a good one. And he's going to play a lot. He's going to play a real lot. <laughs> that's never going to get old. That's never going to get old right there. We were in the hallway before the show even started today, and we were playing that little drop. That's, that's one. Shout out to Hondo. They got to uh, shout him out on that little drop that he – I don't know what he did. I don't know if that's kind of his thing or whatever, but that was a funny drop that we're definitely going to use quite a bit. Brad and Concord said, so I think my biggest concern besides the offensive line is keeping Jimmy upright for the whole season. Is the coaching, as we mentioned, or at, uh, as was mentioned earlier, coaching as, as was mentioned earlier, uh, they seem to look like they know what they're doing this offseason, but they also look like that last offseason. They've had over a year now and made the quarterback swap, among other things, so no real excuses, especially with these weapons. Let's hope the positive staff decisions this offseason have transpired as a great decision at game time, finally this coming season. That's Brad and Concord, and that's, that's what I've been saying. I know a lot of folks are down on the coaching staff, and I've been saying the same thing that Brad just said. Okay, you made the decisions, you have your weapons, and I know nobody wants to hear this because we've been saying it for years. There's really no excuses. There's really no excuses not to succeed. There really isn't. And if you don't succeed, then you can look in the mirror and say, okay, it's on me. Right? It's on me. If I'm given the opportunity to do something and I'm, I, wanna, I want that opportunity more than anything and I'm pulling the trigger and I'm making decisions and I'm, I'm getting guys out and I'm putting my own guys in, and if it doesn't work, you know who it's on? It's on me, 100%. So that's, that's, I mean, that's the responsibility that this coaching staff has to put on his shoulders and, and the front office as well. And I'm sure Dave Ziegler, after, you know, after the draft is over and the undrafted free agents, and I know there's still more to be done when it comes to roster building. He was on with JT earlier today. You can hear that interview on LVSportsNetwork.com. All of our stuff is up on LVSportsNetwork.com in the podcast section. But, you know, I'm sure he feels like, okay, I went out and got the players. I got the groceries that you needed. Now you got to get in the kitchen. You got to cook up a hell of a dish. And that's what the responsibility is for the coaching staff offensively and defensively. You know, a lot of people will just make it about the offense. It's about the defense as well. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up and said, Happy Tuesday, gentlemen, as we are hours away from the upcoming Game 1 matchup for the Lakers and the Warriors. Q, I'm going to keep it real. I didn't want this matchup due to a few reasons that Chef Curry is playing lights out. This matchup has a Raiders versus 49er game feels to it. Emotions will be at all-time high for each game. But you know what? In order to be the best, you got to beat the best. I look forward to knocking out your dubs, but it's definitely going to be a battle. This is no doubt will be a whiskey drinking series, so I'll drink a little for you as well, Q. As always, appreciate a moment of your guys' time. Let's go, Lakers. Hashtag momentum. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And I'll tell you what, Sir Whiskey Ray, you need to, uh, you need to pass along some of that believe juice to Mama Q because Mama Q does not believe it. She is not buying. My man Mateo sitting right next to me said Lakers in six. We had uh, Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com on earlier. He said Lakers in six. Mama Q saying, yeah, right. It's not going to happen. She's not buying it. So we'll see. 
I think it's going to be a hell of a series. I really do. Uh, I'm excited about it. So we'll see uh, who ends up coming out on top and advancing in the playoffs. And by the way, this is not the finals, right? This is only round two. So there's still a lot of work left to be done uh, after this series is over for whatever team decides that they're going to move on. I mean, you look at what Denver did to Phoenix last night, and now CP3 is injured again. Shouldn't be any surprise. And I hate that for him, man. And I don't want to say he can't catch a break because it almost sounds like I'm making fun of his injury. But, man, he can't catch a break. You know, every single year, you know, he's, got, he's lined up to go and make a deep playoff run, and something happens. I don't know how long this groin injury is going to keep him out, but I'll tell you what, man, it doesn't look good for him. Uh, also, we got a text from the 805 Raider talking about this series. Lakers can win a couple games in L.A., but the Warriors win in six. Uh, as far as the Raiders go, cornerback is my biggest concern. Rookie cornerbacks will either hit right away like Hobbs or never get it like DJ Hayden. So we'll know as early as preseason if Bennett will be something. That's 805 Raider. And, you know, I think that some cornerbacks, they develop like that. If you remember when Trayvon Mullen was selected in the second round out of Clemson, he was a guy who he didn't get into the starting rotation. He was kind of thrown in there into the mix here and there. And then finally when he was thrown into it, when they had him in practice enough and they felt like he was good enough to be a starter, that's when they moved on from Gary on Conley. They traded him to Houston the same week that they were going to play Houston, which is an absolute slap in the face to Gary on Conley. Uh, but they, they felt like Trayvon Mullen was ready to take over. And you know what? He did pretty well that week. His first week in the league or as a starter, he, he did pretty well. And I thought he was going to be a really good corner. It's just, as far as I'm concerned, injuries really derailed his, se his season and ultimately his career. I mean, think about it. He's gone from the Raiders to the Cardinals to the Cowboys to the Ravens, <laughs> right? In such a short amount of time, it's like boom, 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 boom. It's all due to the lack of availability from the, uh, from the injuries pr perspective. Uh, East Bay Raider Gray, I think there's still a question at, at linebacker, right tackle, and quarterback. In my opinion, the Raiders don't have their quarterback in the future. They don't have anyone to compete with. Mahomes need to put up some serious points against Kansas City. That's East Bay Raider Gray. And that's the thing. I don't think, as the wind's blowing again, I don't think that they have their quarterback in the future either. I'm right there with you. And I don't know how O'Connell's going to develop. I know some people are really high on O'Connell. Uh, me, not as much, just because he's not available. Or not available, but he's not uh, mobile. And I think that a mobile quarterback is really needed in, in the NFL. And I don't mean run around the yard, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts style. I just mean getting yourself out of harm's way. I think that that's something that's, that's got to be critical moving forward. And so if they don't have their quarterback of the future, you know what they do? They go back into the draft and they go get one next year. And if they, that, that doesn't develop the quarterback of the future, they go back into the draft and they get one next year. I, I really do believe, I've said this multiple times, the Raiders are going to be in the business of getting a quarterback, if not every year, every other year. I really do believe that. And, of course, Jimmy G is under contract for a couple seasons, so uh, they have that luxury where they don't feel like they have to press into just getting a guy for the sake of getting a guy. But at some point, you're right, they've got to get the guy, and I'm not too sure when that's going to be. Quick tweet from Keith as we get ready to close out the show. He said, I like that O'Connell pick. McDaniels needs a backup who can run his system like Stidham did for many years. David Holm was a career spot starter and a backup, and we were happy to have him. There's nothing to be ashamed of by being a good backup in the NFL, and I agree with that. I agree there's nothing wrong with being a good backup, and you need good backups. They spent a lot of money on Marcus Mariota as a backup, right, and he never amounted to anything because he wasn't available. They gave him like $9 million to be a backup, and he got into the action very rarely and did very little. So, yeah, I mean, he could be a career backup, but at some point, like East Bay Raider Gray was just pointing out, at some point you've got to have your quarterback of the future. Who's that going to be and when are they going to get it is going to be the big question. So that's going to do it for us. Again, from the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village celebrating the 
LV aces their championship and leading into next season. The season ticket holders are here right now. They're having a good time. They're buying merchandise. They're about to take pictures with the players uh, once they get here, and they should be here between 5 and 7.30. So in a few minutes, they should be popping up, and this event's going to last until 8 o'clock. And uh, ESPN Las Vegas and, of course, us at Radio Nation Radio here as well. Have a great evening. Uh, Peter King and the Morning Tailgate are up next.